beneficent, the merciful. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. I salam alaikum, which means peace be unto you. My name is Sister Sharita X, and I am your host. I'm Brother Courtney. Wa alaikum salam, Sister Sharita. It's wonderful to hear your voice again, Sister, as we're pulling together this show. Uh, I would like to start off in the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful. I'm thankful to Allah for coming and appearing to us in the person of Master Farad Muhammad and raising up for us our brother, the exalted Christ, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. And we're thankful to them for leaving one, our brother who is doing the work, the time and what must be done. We're not asking that question, but he's telling us what we need to be doing. And I'm speaking of the honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. I greet you all in the greeting words of peace. Assalamu alaikum. Today, we have a special guest, a brother, a friend of mine, who is doing the work, who is showing us the way through what is dwelling in his spirit and how we need to start to step it up in the nation of Islam in doing our part to help shoulder some of the burden in which our beloved brother, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, is is holding on to and carrying himself. Our brother today who is with us, I pray that he's on the line right now, is Brother Demetric Muhammad. He is an author, publisher, researcher, and lecturer. And Brother Demetric is one of the members that is on the Nation of Islam Research Group. And those of us in the Nation of Islam and uh, the listening audience that have heard the, the last and many of the time and what must be done series and parts, know that the research department of the Nation of Islam is doing their work. And we definitely applaud them for bringing out the facts, bringing out the defense, helping us to see more clearly the most honorable Elijah Muhammad has given to us and how it's being broken down by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. So at this point, I'm going to start to interview our brother. Are you on, Brother Dimitri? Yes, brother sir. Courtney, can you hear me? Yes, I can, my brother. Yes, sir. So at this time, I would like to bring on our brother Dimitri. And first of all, to, to start him off, we're going to ask him a question. One of the things that I know from myself and others who have seen the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan have been able to watch him and view him on many videos and DVDs, have been in arena, arenas where Minister Farrakhan has been, and many folks who don't get the opportunity to be up close and personal with the minister. You know, we who are followers of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad under the leadership of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan love to hear about him, love to see him, love to just hear things that people who are in special relationships like yourself who have the opportunity to sit down with him, share with him on a more personal basis than many of us ever get the opportunity to do. So we would like to hear from you, Brother Dimitri, just starting off just so we get a, a better understanding of the relationship that you have, and maybe you can give us a couple of jewels and gems of, you know, what you see of the minister being up close and personal and why you see that this man needs to have a defense. So first of all, Brother Dimitri, what is your role on the Nation of Islam Research Group? Well, Brother Courtney, let me first of all uh, begin by certainly uh, my expression of gratitude to Allah uh, for his intervention in our affairs 
in the person of Master Farah Muhammad uh, and for his raising among us his messenger Messiah, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, and thanking them both for uh, our big brother, our friend, a comforter to us and really all of humanity in such a critical and dark hour in the world, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Uh, I certainly uh, express my deep gratitude to Sister Sharita and the Sisterhood Connection, as well as uh, yourself, Brother Courtney, uh, for being my brother and friend and for uh, providing uh, some questions and and, uh, interview format for us tonight. Uh, I'm very happy to be here, and uh, I thank the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan for uh, selecting me to be a part of his research group. Uh, I function as a member of the group. Uh, There are several of us that uh, function uh, throughout the year in various capacities, helping Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan prepare what he wants to share with the people. And I always like to say that You know, Minister Farrakhan is not a man who uses speech writers, but he is a man who is a recipient of revelation. You know, uh, many people uh, in the Islamic world, they say, well, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was the last of the prophets. And we Mm -hmm. certainly don't disagree with him in that regard. Mm -hmm. But just because he's the last of the prophets, does not mean he's the last man that Allah would speak through. And certainly yes, we believe that Allah speaks to the world today through Minister Farrakhan. And so it's a blessing for me personally, and I would dare say I speak for the other members of our group, that we are extremely blessed and honored to work in a capacity where, as we like to say, we bring research to support revelation. And so the Apostle Paul mentioned something to this in the New Testament when he begins to instruct his ministers, Timothy and Stephen and others, about how they should prepare uh, to be able to preach the gospel uh, and to be able to convince the varying types of minds that they would encounter in their work. And so there are many people whom you literally have to prove certain uh, realities to using empirical data, using historical information, using scientific information, and using scripture. And so empirical data, scripture, history, uh, all of these are tools that we bring to support what God inspires in the heart and in the mind of the minister, and really, I would say, what Allah directs the minister to say to the people. So we have a wonderful time uh, spending hours uh, with the minister discussing the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's teachings and uh, just really uh, hearing how his mind works. And uh, I have to say, when you ask the question about, you know, what would I say about spending time with the minister, and the thought came to my mind was, you know, uh, 
consistency and integrity. Mm. You know, the yes, Minister sir. Farrakhan that the public sees is the Minister Farrakhan in private. And my mind goes to something in the Holy Quran where Allah says, you know, uh, scan and observe creation. I'm paraphrasing. But uh, in the Malana Muhammad Ali translation, it says, uh, when you look over creation, you will find no incongruity. You mm-hmm. know, your eyes will come back tired uh, in the Quran. And so the minister is like unto that, you know, study him, observe him. You find no inconsistencies. He is a man of integrity. He is at one uh, in his public life and in his private life. And so he remains uh, the consummate example for any of us who would just want to be a better person, and certainly those of us who see ourselves in the family of the world's religions and wanting to be better men and women, better believers in God, better fathers, better husbands, better wives, better mothers, better sisters and brothers. He's always such a walking textbook for those who are aware and have an open enough mind to receive the lessons that his personal demonstration offers to us. And so mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm very excited. And one thing I would share <clears throat> that the minister shared with us when he talked about how we must become better in our expression of revelation. He says revelation is not easy to handle. He says, but, you know, there was a a time period, Brother Courtney, when we Mm -hmm. were in the basement. And he says, you know, when you're in the basement, you know, you can say what you want to say in the basement. You can do what you want to do in the basement. You know, you might even cuss if you're in the basement. Right. He says, but Allah has brought us to the rooftop. And he says that when you come to the rooftop, rooftop rather, you have to act like you belong on the rooftop. And uh, you can't do the things you used to do when you were confined to the basement. And so that's a principle that I reflect upon because really today uh, the minister has the world's attention. And if mm-hmm. Minister Farrakhan has the world's attention, his followers are being watched and studied by the world. And they will either be attracted to us or they will be repelled by us. And if they are repelled by us, then Allah will hold us responsible for that. So we must make sure that as our people see us, that we are the models of civility and integrity that we have been taught and that what comes forth from us uh, is the truth and uh, sound doctrine, if you will. So, uh, and, and the last part you asked about why does the minister need a defense? The minister needs a defense in the sense that uh, a defense uh, in the field of religious studies is what they call an apologia. Uh, in Christianity and other religions, you have a field called apologetics. And I like to see myself and the research team and others as constituting uh, a Nation of Islam apologetics movement. Uh, those are my words. Uh, but I like to see our work, the work of Dr. Wesley Muhammad, uh, the work of other followers of Minister Farrakhan who are studying, 
who are lecturing, who are publishing, who are researching. And the common thread that unites all of us is that we love the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's teachings, and we want the world to be moved away from the attitude of dismissal with respect to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's teachings. And we want to academically, historically, and scripturally vindicate those teachings. And I have to say, in my judgment, uh, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is the father of a Nation of Islam apologetics movement in the sense that in the rebuilding of the nation, the minister did not begin with economic development. The minister did not begin with political activism. The minister began with a defense of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's teachings. He understood that the nation was unraveled and came apart when the new leadership came in and made the believing community, first of all, doubt and then subsequently disbelieve, and many began to hate the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. So the minister began right there, reestablishing in the mind of the believers the rightness and the truthfulness of the teachings, you know, because that's our foundation. And you can build politically, you can build uh, economically and otherwise on that foundation. But if you didn't have that foundation, you couldn't build on anything. So uh, the minister is our father, and he and his ministry began to attract uh, many uh, from the college campuses, many from professional backgrounds, many from business backgrounds, many from uh, political backgrounds because of the way he represented the teachings. His, his ministry has always been marked by a beautiful delivery, uh, a courage in speaking truth to power, but his ministry has also been characterized by sound, logical arguments. And so on that basis, he has inspired many like myself, the other members of the research team, and others who may not necessarily be a part of the research team, but they are doing a great and commendable work of defending the teaching. And the minister especially requires a defense uh, from the standpoint of public opinion that is shaped by news media, shaped by uh, those in power whom he is a critic of and whom he is a warner of. They respond to his criticism and warning, not by accepting and heeding the warning, but they respond to his warning by attacking the warner. And mm -hmm. so... Because they attack him, now we have to provide a fact-filled counter-narrative. We have to, as the Quran says, hurl truth at falsehood so that it knocks out its brains. Where Minister mm -hmm. Louis Farrakhan is concerned, there is much falsehood in the minds of the American people regarding him. And so uh, we had developed a presentation entitled, the top ten myths about the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan that we have delivered in several cities as we have been touring this summer. And mm -hmm. uh, in that presentation, we unpack and delve into and drill down uh, factually 
uh, into many of the myths that surround the minister's ministry and his person. And so I'll just uh, stop right there, but there's so much that could be said. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about this subject because the, the final point that I would say is why Minister Farrakhan needs a defense is because the minister's ministry, if it is widely spread, if it is unhindered, then we will see an end to the disrespect of women throughout the world. Our children will have fathers in their lives. The destruction of the earth's natural resources will end. We will see an end to poverty and want. We will see a decrease and an elimination of crime and violence if what Minister Louis Farrakhan is teaching becomes popular, if it becomes widely spread and people have the freedom to hear it without having lies and falsehood and barriers and obstacles placed in their way. So there's a lot at stake uh, with respect to his ministry. If he is the man of God, that means that God cannot be heard unless he is heard through this man in this hour. So if the people don't hear God's man speak God's word, they remain in darkness. And while they remain in darkness, they suffer from two fatalities, one from self-destruction, two from the chastisement of the God whose message they are not even getting a chance to hear. And since they can't hear it, they can't be given a chance to respond or react to it. So there's a lot at stake uh, in the message and the ministry of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan that requires that we defend it, if you will. Yes, sir. Well, I can see that, you know, I'm sure that many of those who are listening would love to hear about those ten myths that you spoke about while you're on your tour Defending Farrakhan, preparing the earth to swallow the flood. You speak about those ten myths, but you did talk a little bit about this, but I want you to make it even clearer. Why is it so hard for Minister Farrakhan to bring other black leaders to the table to discuss and plan out a future for our people? Why is he having such a difficulty with the leadership? You say, he who has ears, let him, let him hear these individuals have heard the minister. These individuals have taken in what the minister has said and have and researched it, I'm sure. Why is it that it's hard for him to get them to the table? Well, Brother Courtney and Sister Sharita, that could be answered in one word, envy. Or if I your books could be written about it. But basically, you know, Minister Farrakhan is outside of the established circles from which black leadership has customarily emerged. He didn't emerge from academia. He didn't necessarily emerge from the church. He wasn't appointed by any uh, white uh, authorities. He's a man that is similar to what you read of in the Bible, where, mm -hmm. where Daniel, I believe it was, in his vision, he saw a stone that had been hewed out of the side of a mountain Without any hands The stone just appeared But as the stone rolled down the mountain It gathered mass And it gathered speed And that stone of course uh, Struck uh, the idol And uh, caused it to fall to pieces So 
the minister is a man like that. And so those who are from those uh, customary places of origin, mm-hmm. uh, they don't like Minister Farrakhan. And they believe in their heart that they should be the center of attention. They believe that they should be the leaders of our people. They believe that what Allah has blessed the minister to be able to do, they think that should be for them, you know. But again, back to Scripture, you know, uh, when Moses and Aaron uh, went up against Pharaoh's magicians and enchanters and advisors, you know, their rod budded, and it swallowed up the rod of the enchanters and the magicians. And, uh, of course, we know at a certain point in Scripture, those magicians and enchanters of Pharaoh, they believed in the God of Moses and Aaron. And so quiet as is kept, privately there are those who are from those customary places of origin uh, who secretly believe in what Minister Farrakhan is teaching, but Mm -hmm. they are fearful to express it because they will have to pay a price. And so that's really at the root of it, and it's very sad because uh, the good that could come out of uh, operational unity, uh, the good that could come out of uh, a meeting that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad called for in that famous letter, you know, let us meet behind the door, close the door, and let us Mm -hmm. meet uh, at the table as brothers. And it's not about you having to convert to Islam or, you know, that uh, kind of situation. But let's come together and pool our resources and do what's good for our people. So envy is really uh, these uh, persons and their personal envy of the minister is hurting the progress of our people. But, you know, uh, Allah will only tolerate that but for so long. And uh, Mm -hmm. his plan of the deliverance of our people certainly does not depend on a meeting of so-called black or African-American leadership. Allah is well able uh, to bring to pass his will and his desire. And so we know that at the appropriate time, such persons who refuse uh, to meet with the minister uh, will be forced uh, to submit to the guidance of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, or as the Quran say, and the chastisement will be severe. So, uh, you know, so much that could be said about that. You know, we certainly uh, have great respect for uh, brothers and sisters uh, in whatever capacity of leadership they occupy, but we really have to pressure and encourage them to do what's good for our people. It's almost, in a sense, a mirror in the black community of what you have taking place right now in the Congress. You know, the Democrats and the Republicans, they won't come together and do what's good for the country. And in the black community, the civil rights leaders, they won't sit down with the nationalist leaders and the nationalist thinkers and uh, Mm -hmm. pool our resources to do what's good for our people. So this is uh, a great problem that we see manifesting uh, in a lot of places But scripture again is our guide And we know mm-hmm. that this is a season of time As this world goes out Where there is a manifestation of defects There is a mm-hmm. manifestation of loss 
and uh, the Bible speaks of Satan casting out Satan and his kingdom not being able to stand. So this is a this is a time of division, of separation, of factionalism, uh, and some of it is due to ignorance, envy, and jealousy. And then there's also some of it, as the minister has told us, that Allah is created. So we pray that those who uh, are in those positions will come around before it's too late. Now, I'm looking at the both of the defendant Farrakhan books right in front of me. And in the first edition, uh, it says the campaign to free the real children of Israel. When you look at the picture, Minister Farrakhan has a very stern face on both of the book covers, and he's holding up the secret relationship between blacks and Jews. Why are these books in defending Farrakhan so important to the rise of our people in America and all over the earth? Well, I first of all have to say, have to admit, that uh, the minister does not like those photos <laughs> the mm-hmm. of those books. But uh, it, it's, it's interesting you do... said that because my wife asked me, she said, what, who, who took that picture of the minister? He's <laughs> very particular, you know, about who takes the picture. And my, and my daughter said to me, didn't he say that he don't want just anybody taking pictures? <laughs> Thank you for clarifying right. that. Yeah, but we're speaking, to the, we're speaking to the book that he holds. <laughs> right, right, right. He, he doesn't like those photos, but he loves those books. And yeah. Uh, uh, those books, as well as the Secret Relationship series uh, that was put together by the early historical research department. And mm-hmm. uh, members of that group are part of uh, the uh, recently formed NOI research group. And so you you, you have uh, all of us mixed in there together, some younger mm-hmm. brothers and sisters and some brothers and sisters that have been doing this kind of work for quite a while. We're all mixed in there together, and we locked our arms to, to help our minister, our nation, and our people. Uh, but those books are important because uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad always emphasized uh, two knowledges, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of self. He said at one point that the knowledge of self makes one take on the great virtue of learning. So now if black people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, then we must uh, needs be uh, uh, in need of knowing who we are. Our identity has been so obscured. Uh, We have been given so many lies about who we really are, how we got in this condition, you know, what is our nature, Uh, are we the cursed seed of Ham, were we in Africa swinging from trees with bones in our nose, saved by benevolent Christians who civilized us? You know, we've had so many different things. Are we black? Are we African-American? Are we Negro? Are we color? Are we Africans in America? So uh, the real children of Israel now, that's a scriptural title. You know, mm-hmm. Some people, if they bi- don't have a Bible-based orientation of mind, they might they may not see a whole lot of value in that, but uh the white uh Jewish community has for many years uh mm-hmm. led the world to believe that they are the real children of Israel, 
Now, on the basis of that belief, they have a nation state called Israel, which receives billions of dollars in aid from America. Uh, they are a people who receive reparations from Germany. And in general, they are a people who are considered to be uh, untouchable in terms mm-hmm. of criticism, uh, in terms of protest uh, in this country. Now, their own scholars and historians, several of which actually are uh, leading professors inside of Israel and Tel Aviv University, men like Shlomo Sands, Israel Finkelstein, Zave Herzog, uh, inside of America, uh, the uh, Rabbi of the Year, according to Newsweek back in 1999-2000, Rabbi David Woolby. These are men that have publicly stated that there is no Bible or archaeological evidence supporting the claim that the Jews are, in fact, the children of Israel described in the Scripture. Go ahead. Now, this is important because okay. on the basis of that, Brother Courtney, they have mm-hmm. received a whole lot of benefit, a whole lot of support, a whole lot of sympathy from the world. In contrast mm-hmm. to what black people have experienced, we were That's told, right. well, we can't bring up slavery and call for reparations because our own people sold us into slavery. You mm-hmm. know, we were told that, you know, we can't uh, be deemed uh, mm-hmm. a, a good people because uh, we were cursed to be black and to be hewers of wood and drawers of water. You know, we've had mm-hmm. all kinds of reasons why uh, we cannot be treated uh, just, you know, really with freedom, justice, and equality. So now, wouldn't you know it, the reality, is, the reality of the situation is we are, in effect, the real children of Israel. The history of black people in America more closely parallels uh, what is described of the children of Israel in the Bible. And so mm-hmm. uh, a lot could be said about that, but that's the reason why, those books are so important because they established for us for the first time using the history of Jewish scholars, historians, and rabbis that they mm-hmm. are not the children of Israel, which leaves a void uh, in our understanding that is filled with the narrative provided by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad that his people, the black man and woman of America, are the real children of Israel. So those books are very important. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to ask maybe one more question, and I'm sure we're going to open up the line to those who are eager to at least ask a question of one of the research team brothers here, Brother Demetric Muhammad. Also, to let everyone know that Brother Demetric, the one that put out the complete dictionary of supreme wisdom lessons, he also, the one that we received as a gift from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, he also put out, when you get in trouble, into trouble, nurse from the uh, Holy Quran. And I have that book, and it is definitely something that you want to take a take a look at. Because you know how we are. We grab the Holy Quran, and we just open it after a short prayer, and we hope that Allah reveals something to us. Well, he's found a way to whatever topic is on your mind. As far as what you might need at that moment, you can go right into the glossary and look for it, and then he gives you all the different verses right from the Quran to help to 
nurse you and bring you back to health. And once again, that's one of the books that he has put out along with his latest title, which is Who Do They Say I Am? Yes. The Vindication of Minister Louis Farrakhan. That's hot off the press. Many of us are going to have to wait until we get down to the 18th anniversary of the Holy Day of Atonement uh, in, uh, excuse me, in Tuskegee on the 19th and 20th of this month. But going on with this next question, Brother Dimitri, you know, I was looking at the minister, and, you know, he looks like he's getting younger. And for so many years, he's been defending us. And now we have brothers like yourself and Dr. Wesley and, and our sister, student minister Ava, and many others who have been out there raising up the defense for the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And I remember in 2007, he had said in an interview, I believe it was with Martin Bashir, and uh, he had said that he's like the one who was in the prison. And I, I heard how you described that, a pu- prison of public uh, opinion. And he said that, you know, the warden lost the keys, and he found the keys, and that he will be coming out of that prison soon. How do you see that? Mm. Beautiful. Well, I think that, you know, uh, when I reflect over the minister and what Allah has blessed him with, there is something in the Holy Quran in Surah 2, whereby Allah says, and we gave to Jesus clear argument. Mm-hmm. Now, the question arises naturally in the mind of the reader. Who was Jesus arguing with? Why did Jesus need arguments? And by what means did Allah give to him clear arguments? He didn't give him weapons. He didn't <laughs> give him money. He gave him clear Arguments So now In the life of The minister The minister has not uh, Been aggressed upon At this point with weapons He has not been aggressed upon Necessarily in a physical Or violent way He has been involved As the Honorable Elijah Muhammad described it In a battle in the sky mm-hmm. He has been involved in a war For the hearts and minds of the people He's been involved in psychological warfare with the enemies of God and the enemies of the rise of the black man, namely those members of the Jewish community, those government agencies and forces. These have been the chief enemies who have sought to and have had a great measure of success imprisoning Minister Farrakhan Uh, In terms of the public opinion of the people So I Mm -hmm. see the secret relationship between blacks and Jews uh, That series Which Mm -hmm. two volumes or five volumes Have been Mm -hmm. printed Mm -hmm. Uh, So I see those as keys To get the minister out of prison I see the formation of a research team and really a defending Farrakhan movement 
there's even a Facebook group that calls themselves Defending Farrakhan, and they're not affiliated with the research group. Uh, I don't know who they are, but they're doing their best uh, to defend the minister uh, on Facebook. So these are all keys to help the minister get out of prison. And just to go back to his formation of a research group, which he was guided by a lot to do, it's really very, very uh, profound in this sense. Now, many people in the rebuilding, we have really worked hard to see Minister Farrakhan in the proper light, which is in the light of Scripture, and to see how his life parallels and coincides with the lives of the prophets and messengers of God. But in my humble opinion, that's only part of the proper viewing of the minister. The minister mm -hmm. is also a fulfillment of the great revolutionaries of the secular mm -hmm. struggle for liberation, the Marcus Garveys of the world, the Nat Turners of the world, the Denmark Vesey's of the world. So the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan in his person is an embodiment or fulfillment of what Garvey, of what Jesus, of what Paul, of what Dr. King, of what Muhammad, of what Stokely Carmichael, all of these persons who had in common fighting and yearning and hoping and struggling for a better world and really for the perfection of humanity. The minister, all of, all of them converge in him. And yet, all of these ones that we describe, whether they were prophets of Scripture or they were revolution or political revolutionaries, most of them never had a group that was designated to defend them in mm. in the uh, public sphere. Jesus, his disciples, they were not uh, functioning in that capacity. Prophet Muhammad didn't have a group that was devoted. To, uh, uh, helping him in that regard Marcus Garvey Who had the largest movement of black people Ever Seven to nine million He mm -hmm. was deported On a basis of mail fraud Yes, sir. He had none of those Seven to nine million to my knowledge In a research group Or group to defend him In the public And so other black leaders Criticized and condemned him Freely and openly Dr. King, he didn't have it. None of them had it. So now only the future can determine the effectiveness of such a group that the minister has formed. But I see this group and what it has inspired in other believers and, and in uh, people outside of the nation as part of the keys that Allah has given to the minister come out of this prison because the minister will be successful. He's already been successful, but he will be ultimately victorious in what he is attempting to do, and only by the help and the power of Allah and his Christ, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, Brother Demetrius, we thank you. We're going to move on or move right back to our sister, Rita, to uh, continue the show. I have so many more questions that we could ask you, brother. Uh, you are on it. I was just thinking about uh, our brother Arsenio Hall, how the last time we seen our brother was in an interview 
basically with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan before the Million Man March. And then all of a sudden he's coming back now, uh, nearly 20 years later, and we're noticing that the, 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 all of the college campuses and venues that were closed to us after the Million Man March are starting to open up for some reason. And it appears that the minister has found the key, and he is using those keys. And uh, like you said, we need to be the example that when the people see us, we're not repulsive to them, but we're attractive to them. So, yes, sir, and I'm going to go ahead and pass it on to our sister. sister. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Thank you so much, Brother Dimitri. We thank Allah for you. Um, Brother Courtney, beautiful interview. You know, I have a question for you, beloved. And my question is this, and it deals with the topic, you know, defending Farrakhan, preparing the earth to swallow the flood. Can you please expound on that, please, for us, sir? Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Well, you know, that's the theme that we've taken as we've traveled to five cities so far, and we have several others that are scheduled, and we certainly are going uh, to other cities uh, with this topic. Defending Farrakhan, preparing the earth to swallow the flood. That is a biblical phrase, the earth swallowing the flood. It comes from the Bible in the book of Revelations, which is the final book in the Protestant Bible. It's the 66th book of the Protestant Bible, and it deals with the end of Satan. It deals with the end of Satan's world. It deals with the fate of the righteous, it deals with the fate of the messenger of God and his Christ and the victory of God over Satan. And at a certain point, dear sister, in the book of Revelations, there is a passage of scripture that says that Satan, who, mind you, in Genesis, at the beginning of the Bible, he was a serpent. But by the time we get to the close of the Bible, he's now a dragon. That reflects that he's grown, he's become more powerful, he's become stronger. Revelations 12 and 7 even says that Satan, that old dragon, has deceived the whole world. And so uh, this dragon uh, who gave power to another hideous creature, a beast, uh, and all of this is symbolism, uh, they were after a woman who was pregnant with a child, a man-child, the Bible says, who would rule the nations of the earth with a rod of iron. And so, in the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and Minister Farrakhan's explanation of these passages, they say that this woman is, in fact, uh, Allah's messenger, who is styled as a woman because this woman who is pregnant with a child to deliver is the messenger of God who is responsible for delivering a whole people who will be the new rulers as Allah destroys the former rulers and their world comes to naught. And so part of what the dragon used was a flood seeking to drown a woman and to kill her and her baby. So the minister says to us that this flood begins as a flood of propaganda, lies and falsehood and that the earth that swallowed up the flood uh, represents the people you know the earth is oftentimes uh, symbolic 
uh, description of the people. As Brother Nuri today in the webcast did such a beautiful job uh, yes, explaining to his audience about how we are like the earth and the earth is like us. And so essentially what I'm attempting to do is to help prepare the public, to prepare the believers, to prepare any who would listen for propaganda that is already in existence as well as propaganda that will be forthcoming. And it's critical because in the methodology of the enemy, he always starts with character assassination. Right. Character assassination is the root or the foundation of a physical assassination. Yes. He assassinates the character of a prophet. He assassinates the character of a revolutionary. So that when he moves in to actually kill the prophet or revolutionary, the earth or the people will not respond. But the scripture says that when the dragon spewed forth the flood, the earth swallowed it up, which means that they were not affected by it. They were not a they they became immune to it. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says that the earth helped the woman. So Minister Farrakhan has taught us that, you know, our people Love us. We have to go among our people. We have to spend time with our people. We have to give our people the truth of who we are and what we believe. And I go so far as to add to that, we have to give black America the history of Minister Louis Farrakhan. That's right. Our people have to know what has Minister Farrakhan done for them, not in an emotional way, not in a way where we make people think we're in a cult and we worship the minister, because none of that is necessary. The minister's fact-filled 57-plus-year record and career is sufficient to show our people that this is a man that has given his life for them, that he has loved us, he has taken abuse, He has taken being rebuked. He has been lied on, evil spoken of by his own people and by those in the enemy's community. And yet, at 80 years young, he still stands. He's still teaching. He's still guiding. He's still influencing. He's still building and organizing. And so, in my defense of the minister, it may not be what a lot of people expect, my defense of the minister is to give you Minister Farrakhan's history. Because if you know Minister Farrakhan's history, if you know what he has done, what he has accomplished, you will have or develop an immune system to whatever lies and falsehood that the enemy could put forth. Because to me, it all boils down to this. When Jesus was being crucified in the New Testament, at one point the people were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Then at another point the cry turned into crucify him. And the thought creeps up into my mind that, well, how could they go from Hosanna to crucify him 
when this was a man that had raised Lazarus from the dead. Yes. This was a man that had healed the woman with the issue of blood. This was a man that had healed a man who had a withered hand and had given sight to the blind. And he had fed the multitudes, having very little resources to do it. How could they have forgotten all of the miracles of Jesus and allowed the Sanhedrin, who is their language, they would whip the crowd into a frenzy to call for this man's death, who had meant nothing to them but good and benefit. To me, there was something missing. There was no one to keep in front of the people the good of the man of God so that when the enemies came, when the Jewish leadership came, when when this was put before Pilate, no one spoke for Jesus. They thought he would speak for himself, and he wouldn't speak for himself because his life was never for himself. His life was for the people. It was the people's job and responsibility to speak up and say, no, that's a good man. That man raised my son Lazarus from the dead. He healed my sister who was sick. He fed all of us, and he hardly had any enough to do it, but he did it. And so I want to make sure that we don't forget the miracles that the minister has performed because in that book that Brother Courtney mentioned, there's a common refrain among those whom we quoted. And that refrain was that people have witnessed in Minister Louis Farrakhan him doing things that no one else could do. So when I say miracles, it's not a stretch. It's not an exaggeration. Uh, We have the data to prove that he has performed miracles. So uh, that's what's uh, the driver for me uh, in this series, and I pray a lot will open up more doors for us to go into to share this information because I really believe in it, and I believe that uh, we need an immunity because there is more propaganda forthcoming. It's being developed even as we speak, and when it comes forth, uh, there may be a falling away. The minister talked to us about two fallings away. He said there will be one falling away from the messenger of God, and there will be another falling away from Satan. You know, so, uh, but, again, we could we could talk all night about that, sister. That's my passion. So <laughs> Yes, sir. Just, Praise be to Allah. Absolutely. <laughs> Beautiful, beloved. Beautiful. Um, you know, you have a blog. Right, and it's called yes, uh, coming full circle. You know, can you please talk to us about that? I know, and how is that connected to Honorable uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan and the um, Syrian roots, and of course with the Obama presidency? Can you please just give us a little bit on that, and then um, Inshallah, but I want to ask you right now: Can you please do a part two? <laughs> I would do, do a part two. two. I, I will come back whenever you would invite me. Uh, Praise so uh, I will come back whenever you would invite me. I'm always honored to uh, share whatever I know and be whatever uh, benefit I can be. But I would say that uh, our website is www.researchminister.com, and that's where we post our blogs and some of our um, books and DVDs and 
you know, our articles and you were talking about the most recent blog that we did when the minister lift his voice in the great tradition of the likes of Dr. Martin Luther King and others as a conscientious objector and a voice against America's uh, desire to go to war uh, in the Middle East. And what came to me as I thought about President Obama and I thought about Syria and I thought about Minister Farrakhan, it just became clear to me that this event was a coming full circle because what some people have forgotten and others never knew was that in 1983, uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson took a delegation of black ministers to Syria uh, to try and plead with the Syrian authorities for the release of a naval pilot, Lieutenant Robert Goodman, whose plane had went down over Syria and President Reagan's administration uh, did not appear that they were going to seek the brother's release. And Reverend Jackson said, I think I should go and I should appeal to the mercy, not a negotiation, but the mercy of the Syrian people. So in that trip, he took Minister Farrakhan. Minister Farrakhan brought along with him Brother Akbar Muhammad, and there was the Reverend Wyatt T. Walker, and there were other uh, uh, noteworthy ministers and bishops and what have you in Reverend Jackson's delegation. And there are several authors who have written about that experience who were there. And they say that behind the scenes, even though Reverend Jackson received credit for uh, persuading the Syrian authorities to release Lieutenant Goodman, people who were there, people who have written about this, they say that Minister Farrakhan played a critical role. They say that the minister's uh, Muslim faith, his knowledge of the Quran, his ability to pray in Arabic uh, impressed the Syrian officials so much that at a point in time where it appeared as though they were not going to budge from their position. You know, now, mind you, their position was, was okay, now we hear what you all are saying, but now we got fighters, we got soldiers. They have been victorious in capturing one of our enemies. What do we go now and tell them if they work hard to capture the enemy and then we turn back around and release the enemy, getting nothing in exchange? That would demoralize our troops. They had a very good argument, you know, hmm. to keep Lieutenant Goodman, you know. Uh, that's That's logical. You can understand that in a time of war. You know, but it was the the minister's influence that Reverend Wyatt T. Walker wrote about in his book Road to Damascus. Professor Clifton E. Marsh wrote about it in his book on the Nation of Islam. And so the reason why that was so important in a coming of full circle was because when Reverend Jackson was at that time considering or planning or preparing to run for the office of presidency, he had no international credentials. Going to Syria, free, getting the freedom for Lieutenant Goodman, gave Reverend Jackson his international credentials. Now he could theoretically campaign for presidency because people could see him more in a presidential light and not just in the light as being one of the great sons of the civil rights movement. 
So that event gave Reverend Jackson his international credentials and that 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 the heart of that success was the influence and in, in work and impact of Minister Louis Farrakhan. Well, everybody knows Reverend Jackson ran in 84 for president. He lost. I believe he ran again in 88, and he lost. But those two losses uh, created something in black America. It created uh, a yearning. It gave us the thoughts of what might have been. And so in 2008, when President uh, or Senator Barack Obama uh, ran for presidency, people uh, who are old enough to remember what happened in 84 and 88, that came back to their mind. And so most people said, well, Jesse failed. This young man is not as popular as Jesse. He's not going to be able to do no more than what Jesse did. But when Barack Obama won in Iowa and some other places, black people began to be filled with hope and expectation, and they then transferred what was initially deposited by Reverend Jackson's failed campaigns, and they transferred that uh, as an investment of support, financial and material support, encouragement, hope, belief, support, to the campaign of Barack Obama, and, of course, he won. He became America's first black president. And so for him to be uh, at the doorstep of going to war in Syria and having Minister Farrakhan in a similar capacity as Dr. King was when he was saying to Lyndon Bain Johnson and the presidents of the United States, don't go to war in Vietnam, to me, this was a coming of full circle because at the root of Obama's presidency is the minister. Remove the minister from Reverend Jackson's Syrian uh, efforts, and Reverend Jackson may not have ran for president. If Reverend Jackson did not run for president, Barack Obama may not have been able to run for president and be successful. You see, so uh, that article talks about the coming or full circle of those events and the importance of Syria to Islam. Syria mm-hmm. is the place where Bilal ibn Rabah, who was the first caller to prayer, uh, he was buried there. And, of course, many see Bilal as a symbol of the role of black people uh, in the world, as Bilal uh, was a caller to prayer. And every caller to prayer, I don't care if they're Chinese, uh, if they're white, if they're African, if they're Mexican, if they are calling Muslims to prayer, they use Bilal's, the African, the black man, Bilal's call to prayer. And so many people see Bilal as symbolic of the future role of black people in America to call humanity back to righteousness and truth and obedience to God. And so he's buried there, and now you have Barack Obama as America's first black president who is also a symbol of the rise of black people in America. But since black people have always been the soul of America, the conscience of America, it was an odd thing 
that America's first black president would be going to war in this part of the world. And so we just tried to uh, connect the dots there and, and, and make uh, our argument of this, these events being a coming of full circle and really be having much greater significance than just another plain old war uh, that uh, America was about to go into. Yes. Thank you so much, Brother, um, Brother Dimitriak. You know, as we know, time is coming upon us, but but yes, uh, we definitely want you to come back for part two. We thank you so much. I thank a lot for you. And, Brother Courtney, I'd like to go back to you for closing remarks, Brother, and um, then we can just end the show. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sister. Yes, sir. Brother Dimitri, closing remarks, sir. Would you like to give us your website and how can we get your books again? Sure, sure, sure. My website is www.researchminister.com. You can feel free to uh, go there and see our articles and our books and our DVDs. Uh, If anybody's interested in bringing the Defending Farrakhan Seminar to their city, uh, you can feel free to... uh, Drop us a line at at uh, researchminister.com, and uh, we'd be happy to coordinate with you or the local mosque or whatever group that would like for us to come. And uh, just once again, thanks, Sister Sharita and those that work with her uh, in putting out this program. It is a very, very important program. Uh, We give a lot of attention and energy and viewership uh, to programs that promote uh, values that are un-Islamic, uh, the, uh, values that are not uh, good for black America. And so Sister Shirita is a part of a number of believers who are creating programming whereby we can do what the Quran instructs all of the believers to do. The Quran says, give good news to those who believe. And so when you tune in to the Sisterhood Connection, a clean, another Clean Glass production. All you hear is brothers and sisters giving good news to those who believe and those who want to become better men and women. So I thank Sister Sharita for the invitation to come on, and I pray that Allah continues to bless her and strengthen her and to bless and strengthen all who listen and all who help to make this program a success. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. As always, family, you know, we hate to leave, but we must go. So we pray that Allah God has blessed us to say something here today that will help to uplift, to inspire, and motivate us to do better for ourselves and by ourselves. And family, please don't forget to support the Final Call newspaper. You can go to www.finalcall.com and subscribe to the Final Call newspaper where you can get books and lectures by the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable, Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, as well as many others. Family, we want to thank you again for tuning in. And also, please don't forget to go to org forward slash the time every Saturday night to listen to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan telling us what needs to be done in this time. Again, the time and what must be done Saturday at 7 o'clock at org. Family, we greet you as we came. In peace. Assalamu alaikum. Brother Dimitri, could you, would you please do us the honor and close the silent prayer, sir? Praise Allah.
prayer. I seek Allah's refuge against the accursed Satan. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, all praise is due to Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, the Lord of the worlds, the Master of the Day of Judgment in which we now live. Thee alone do we serve, and thine aid do we seek. O Allah, guide us along the straight path, the path of those upon whom thou hast bestowed thy favors, and not the path of those upon whom thine wrath is brought down, nor of those who go astray. Amen.